You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of the Elevator's Cut. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Wheeler. I'm the other host, Roger Gaddis. We have ideas on a whiteboard today. That's right. Ideas on a whiteboard in pink, written by yours truly. The color of prosperity. Yeah, it's it's been been a little bit. Roger and I have been, you know, talking to folks across the country and stuff. I've been on a little bit of a tour of the, I guess, Illinois, Missouri, Iowa region. So that's been fun. And talking to people there and did some what we call action meetings with White's commercial. And it's where we talk about actions that need to be taken or have be decisive when you do actions. There we go. So anyways, it's getting merchandisers together in specific like markets that, uh, you know, guys have a lot of similar, say buyers they sell into and similar weather patterns they've been enduring. And we talk about it and how that affects merchandising strategies for the year. And it has been a pleasure as always. So I always get back from these things and I'm like, holy moly, like all this stuff has synthesized in my brain and it's this great idea, like, or, you know, explanation and ideas for, for how we should be doing this year. And usually they come to me by the end of the meetings I'm in. And so I say them out loud. Everybody's been like real engaging and talking to each other and talking about, you know, what they should do and, and what they've done. And it's like super interesting and super good. And I, and I take it all and I boil it down and I say, make a statement that I'm going to make here, you know, eventually or maybe very shortly. Anyways, but I make this statement and everybody who's been talking amongst themselves the entire time for hours, they're like, all right. <laughs> so what's next you know they say that already yeah exactly <laughs> i think you know it's, it's the arkansas thing of me they're like yeah dude, we've yeah we've already said all that but I, I feel like i'm saying it differently but maybe maybe i'm not differently or or maybe they just disagree with it but that's <laughs> that's okay too so i'm here for yeah. uh comic relief <laughs> synthesizing <laughs> bringing together the various things mm-hmm. to thesis yeah antithesis synthesis yeah thesis yeah so i mean and as part of my tour yeah the theses is that right we don't talk about that on this podcast okay all right well this is (laughs) so as part ah okay so as part of my tour i was uh i was riding around with the one and only the incomparable jeffrey michael reardon I don't know if it's that's incredible. I just did not know he had a middle name. Yeah. Uh, I just assume, but that's probably true. Most people are named Michael when you think about it. (laughs) Most people just don't think about it. (laughs) So I apologize. Uh, If you're trying to get information while listening to this podcast, turn your dial somewhere else. You've never listened before. (laughs) So it's fine. Anyways, in my travels with Jeff, he 
enlighten me to some of the things he's seeing on financial statements of grain elevators across the country. And one of the things he said was he's seeing a lot of, well, one similarity across, across all, all types of uh, situations monetarily is very profitable year for everybody as far as margin per bushel or overall, you know, uh, net margins, EBITDAs, you name it. If there's an acronym, we're doing good at it. And that's a good thing. <laughs> so um, he says that, but what we, what we have seen is, uh, is about three times the total interest cost on some of these. Yeah. Which makes so, sense. Yeah. Higher and that's rates. even in light of the fact that a lot of folks were able to get sales off earlier last year because of the inversions, you know, so that, that says a lot about just the, the rate itself as opposed to. Right. Well, that and, you know, it's more, more uh, money per bushel and stuff, price a little higher. But so there is there is that end of the spectrum where in a lot of that, like you said, they're they're being very profitable despite this you know takes money to make money is what they say sometimes but um but there are facilities we all know the larger the facility you can say hey there's no carry and the base is good early just sell it all early but you got to move it right? right and that takes a while it can take a, a long time to get everything moved uh even into these flat and inverted markets you're still trying to trying to make all that happen mm-hmm. logistically so there is that um even if you're doing everything right there you're gonna incur a lot of interest then there there are folks that have smaller facilities uh that aren't as logistically challenged i'd say that could move things early and this i mean being the third year in a row of inverses i mean even even people that didn't get it before they get it now <laughs> just move it sell it you know get money turn it let's mm-hmm. go you know so uh, it's funny because I talk to people, I go in grain elevator offices and we're talking about, they turn, they got stuff shipped as fast as possible and they are actually making money with their money. If, if that makes sense. Uh, I know what you mean. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, but yeah, they're selling their money at a premium. It's unreal. So they, they are talking to guys about, you know, 5.2% CD rates on six month CDs because they paid back all their loan. Mm-hmm. And they just got this excess funds a lot of times because uh, either in just straight up working capital or um, guys that haven't priced or don't want their money yet, deferred money, whatever it is, their cash, uh, they got a lot of cash. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you could almost call it like a, it's an accumulator, right? It's accumulating interest. Yes. It's making money. So these guys are getting, yeah, over no 5% APRs on the six-month CDs so that they'll have the money back by harvest and w- with a little extra. To the extent that I talked to several guys, they're like, yeah, but you know, you can only put 240000 at different banks because then you get above <laughs> FDIC, you know, after the interest uh-huh. builds and all that. So you got guys plugging money at, you know, six different banks just to stay under FDIC limits. I mean, that's... I, six is the probably the burden of uh, wealth is what that is. Uh, but yeah, so it's funny, you know, I normally am going in and talking about grain merchandise basis and spreads and that sort of strategy for that. And it's like I'm at an Edward Jones office going in. There. It's like, well, what kind of CD rates can we get? And whose money markets are you in? And I'm like, I don't 
this is you guys are operating on a whole other level. So that, that but that's what we're seeing is some some end of this. Both obviously while have are very profitable, wildly profitable this year. But some are doing it by having to use a lot of money and pay for it. Right. Some are doing it by not using money and earning money on top of their margins, which has been unreal. Talk to a guy um, that only had his anything out on his operating line for six weeks. He had six weeks where he used anything on his operating line and then it was gone. Talked to one guy said, that's uh, that's a lot. I I don't think I use my operating line this year. I'm like, what? Unbelievable. Blow your mind type stuff. The so, power of the power of getting all the things working in your favor. Yeah. So, anyways, it's it's been a it's it's funny, like the money management side of this, which is true, right? And we've said this before: is the the if you try to simplify, which we do, um, is grain merchandising is deciding. When do I need to set, store grain or or money? That's just simply every year, and the as simple as simplified as you can make it. And so, for the last few years, and especially this year, it, you should be storing money if you can, logistically and all that stuff, of course. But store money, and so these guys are, and there's actually interest to be had. You know, we haven't had that for quite a while, so it's been some of the margins this past year. That even even the folks outside of the fringe areas we're seeing were comparable to what you'd see in, say, you know, Georgia or or Texas or Pennsylvania or so. I mean, triple digit net margins in some cases, a few months after harvest. Mm -hmm. Wow, I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, and, and you know, from the farm side, they were selling you know, close to seven dollar corn and whatever beans were, you know, just incredibly good prices for the producer incredibly good basis opportunities for the merchandiser i don't know how the end users come out but i guess they did all right but no one cares about those guys anyway right <laughs> you know so it was just a, a thing where it worked out if you if you did what the market was asking you to do it worked out really well and with a little preparation on that it worked out extremely well so you know but we're going into this transition time into back to a you or I would might call a more normal market, which is not normal, but what they'll carry markets. Mm -hmm. And this is that transition year where it's probably not going to end up like last year, <clears throat> margin wise. I mean, you've got carries. Yes, that's nice. Somewhat carries, uh, but you've still got this high interest cost. And the thing you've seen now across the board is, and I think we talked about this maybe on the last episode a little bit, basis is lower in general everywhere. And the, the expectation for basis movement this year is probably a little more muted than last year, the last few years. And uh, you, you go ask merchandisers right now, and no one's got much new crop book on for new crop mm -hmm. coming in or sales on. Mm -hmm. And so if the, if the elevator doesn't have much bought, the end user doesn't have much bought. I mean, that's just you know, that's the way it works. And so there's not a lot of coverage on, but you wouldn't know it from bids from end users or terminals right now. You don't right. really see that. It will come, but the expectation of a big crop and not wanting to get too crazy on the basis this year in light of last few years, all this thing's building to this idea of, okay, there's carries, I can buy it. And if I can, and then just carry it and something will pop up later on. And it will, uh, but you go back to carry markets, you just don't see deferred premiums in carry markets early you don't you don't see it you hardly see it at all it's just because of the nature of the carry market the carry the end user 
and terminals are going to let the market pay the all the incentive if they can, as yeah. opposed to them and their bid. And so it'll come, but you know, the danger of this year is going to be folks overstaying the basis, elevators waiting on a number that they saw maybe the last two years. Which is always the case, right? Which is always the case. It's liable to be a little more exacerbated this year if if your expectations aren't set accordingly, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the farmer. There's There's going to be a huge demand for space for unpriced grain this year harvest it seems like i mean there's going to be guys wanting to do storage and dp left and right and these elevators better be adjusting their storage rates or dp rates even if you don't adjust your rate adjust how much you're going to allow what percentage of your space you're going to allow to be put into dp or storage doesn't have to be everything doesn't have to yeah. be unlimited 20 percent once it's full everything else is priced across the scalar basis only or whatever it is that's just one example but you got to control your space or you're going to be in the spot where you give away your space, which in turn gives away some of the carries. And while you don't have the interest to pay for the stuff, uh, the interest cost to pay for the grain, you're giving up probably more than that in carry and basis appreciation over that time frame. You just almost can't charge enough for, mm-hmm. you know, storage or DP space compared to what merchandising margins would give you. Right. And we know that that's, yeah, and you know, going with Jeff, one of the other stats he gave me that goes right along with this is the cost of running an elevator is as anyone who runs anything or has existed in society for the last few years knows it's going <laughs> it's cost more, you know. Um, so the stat he likes to do to kind of equalize people that do a bunch of direct shit versus people that don't do much direct shit versus people that turn their space a bunch of times. Um is cost per bushel of space you have and you know if if you handle you know a a ton of bushels you know that you're i guess it's a good equalizer like i said so yeah it is so two years ago that number and this is all in every cost every health insurance you pay for an employee everything it was around 53 cents two years ago per bushel of space. 53 cents per bushel of space so if you got a million bushel facility your call co- overall cost every cost included is around five hundred thirty thousand. i mean that's depreciation you name it so um so five hundred thirty thousand. uh last year it went from 53 cents it went to 56 cents last year and this year from what he's seen so far he says you can call it probably 60 cents uh, so good bit in the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Costs have gone up. So what you're saying with the, you got to make sure you're realizing that in your basis ownership. And if you're not getting basis ownership, your fee structure has to, has to match up with that, right? You yeah. have to recover seven cents extra just to be at the same place you were yeah, yeah. years ago. And so that cost is there it, again, you were equated to other parts of the business, you know, the, the, the producer that grows the grains got a set cost is his cost of production. It doesn't change. It is what it is. And it can only go up. It doesn't get any less, you know, once the crops in the ground and the same thing for the elevator, it, it is what it is. Hey, it's 60 cents on average. It only can go up from there. And so your job as a merchandiser is to figure out how to cover that plus some, Yeah, you know, to be profitable. And so, all the pieces, you know, what affects the buy basis, how you get it bought, 
which are grain policies, you know, what affects your cell basis, which is going to be, you know, what end users are going to be willing to pay for the stuff. And if we have a big crop in a lot of places, it's probably not going to be as big a basis as the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, you know, what we've got up here is on the, on the spread management part and, and linking the two things together. If you buy versus one futures month and sell versus another spread has to happen at some point. Uh, could be on the future side. It could be adjusted in the basis, whatever it is, it happens. The adjustment happens. And, you know, we are big proponents of what we call pre-spreading, which is for merchandisers to set spreads ahead of time that they know they'll need when they're at good levels. So, you know, recently Dece July has been trading like 27, 28 cents, something like that. Yeah. Well, if you know, even if you don't have the stuff bought yet or not much, if you know you're in an area with a crop, you're going to get some bought at harvest and you're going to carry it past the physical month of December and sell it, you're going to need a spread to some other month. And so pre-spreading just says, okay, I know I'm going to need this to spread 300,000 bushels and it's paying, you know, 27 cents a day, which is pretty good con considering what the interest costs. So if interest is what, three cents on corn, roughly yeah. on the yeah, right. low side, maybe on seven, that's a seven month spread. So there's 21 cents. Let's say it's, you know, even if it's four, four cents, you know, that's 28 cents. So 27 covers somewhere right around hundred percent of your interest costs yeah. to carry the corn. So we would call that a, it's a good spread. It, you know, this, the spread's job is to cover that cost. If you can, if it can, it does it. And then your job is to purchase, purchase the best buy basis you can, which means not overpaying for it and then make a good sale later on to, to lock that stuff in. Um, but we find that there's not a lot of folks in the industry that do set pre-spreads overall. Yeah. Not that, not that they don't set the ones that do it, don't set a big percentage of their anticipated handle. I think the people that are active pre-spreaders will set anywhere from 75% upward of their spread needs most years ahead of time. Maybe, maybe at least, maybe half is a better thing to say, half or more. Um, but industry at all, most of them just wait for the roll. It's funny, a lot of them will spend time thinking about it and oh, yeah, talk yeah. to you about it. But as far as like in actual practice, one takes action. It's it's hard, and and you know it's it's the human mentality of decisiveness. You know, it, it's hard on the. You know, the elevator manager likes to talk about, oh, you know, these farmers can't decide and they can't sell it when the price is high. It's, it's horrible. They do, you know, similar things when it comes to spreads. We'll talk about it forever, but in the end, we're just going to do what we always do. We're going to roll it as we needed. And if the market's uh, flat or inverted by the time we get there, we'll just try to sell it quick. But then maybe we can't or can't move it and, yeah. you know, you get into all that. But yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. As far as why, I mean, I'd love more feedback from folks on on why you think it is as an industry we we do less of it when it seems to be a practical thing so one of the deals that we always talk about this at our action meetings i was talking about earlier and we compared it to the last time we saw spreads like this i think it was around august of 2020 mm -hmm. which is when we had a uh, summer meeting around this time before it looked like a big harvest coming. We're coming off a of carry harvest, you know, and this was the, what ended up being our first year of inverses of the mm -hmm. three years of inverses or whatever. But it's like, we're coming off a good crop. There's still, they, we couldn't get it all moved. And now there's going to be there. The crop looks amazing. It's early August and we're in Illinois and everything looks great, you know? And 
So guys are like, you know, these July is 28, but who cares? You know, it's going to go to, and we got these new storage rates at CME or whatever it was. Right. And this thing's going to go to 40, you know, just it, that they're like, yeah, you know, maybe it doesn't get much better, but it can't get worse is what we thought. We got this huge <laughs> mm-hmm. crop coming and it did. And it turned out that was as good as the spread all year. Right. It went nowhere but down the crop conditions trail i don't think it rained again after that that meeting so the crop conditions weren't quite as great but they still they still cut a good crop but this was one of the years you know you you try to learn things all the time it's really hard for me because i already knew everything when i was young it is tough for you i will agree i mean tell you um but (laughs) one thing i learned that year was you think like what causes carries for it? Well, you get carries when we have a huge crop, right? Of course. Yeah, it goes without saying. Well, we had a pretty good sized crop, if I recall correctly. But what happened that year was prices dropped precipitously over, that's, that's a good word for me, Precipitation. Um, over, over the last month or so leading into harvest. So we got to harvest and nobody wanted to sell anything. That farmer, on the farmer mm-hmm. level. And... They had money. They didn't have to sell. Prices were a little lower than they had just seen. So everybody waited. And so what causes carry spreads is, I don't want to get too geek out here on economics, but like it's a downward pressure in the nearby month, right? That nearby so that's futures what, month. Yeah, yeah, the nearby futures months get pushed down because there's so much selling mm-hmm. of, say, like at new crop. There's a bunch of selling on December corn futures. And so that pushes it down while the others don't go down as much. And you get carries built that way. And so that's kind of what causes it. Well, if a harvest comes, even if it's not, even if it's big, if guys aren't selling it, there's, you don't get as much pressure. And it was crazy that year, the Dece March like went away during harvest. We're cutting a pretty good crop and the, the spreads closing in. It was wild. I I didn't think that was possible. I thought, well, the economic models and what I learned in school and convergence or whatever. (laughs) It was easy. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) I thought it had to, but it doesn't have to. And so it's inelastic, right? Yeah. So at at these, (laughs) these meetings, I I don't know what that means, but uh, at these meetings, I, I was talking, we're talking about this and and what do we have this year? We've got a probably pretty good crop coming now it it's it looked bad early but got a bunch of rains now and it's looking Still at right, least yeah. average yeah. in in most of the grain milk but what else farmers have plenty of money they've already been deferring money for multiple years right now and prices aren't as good as they were just not too long ago yeah and wait a second we got 28 d 28 cent deece july and we may come into a crop here that's real big but nobody sells it right yeah, you know, sprays of what would reflect, you know, the 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 supply of not just grain on hand. It reflects the supply of available grain. On yes, hand. you know what can move. If if all the grain for harvest got pick a harvest doesn't matter, you know, got put in storage all across the land. Do you think there would be carries even with the big? No, there wouldn't be because one, the mechanical reason you said there'd be no downward pressure on nearby month, and then two, end users are going to do whatever they can to get stuff bought in. You know, if, if everybody puts on storage, how do you get that stuff incentivized to get off of storage and move yes. and become available? Yeah. So the different mechanisms that that reflect that or cause that to happen, you know, it's it's elementary concept, but I think think a lot of people look at it that way. Just think big crop, big spreads. Well, right. Maybe sometimes. 
in, in generally it, it yes. does, but there's some, and so, yeah, that's what <laughs> we're building, talking about this in one of our meetings and the guy got up and left, I, you know, got a phone call or whatever, walks out. Well, he was making, a, he come back in, he said, I just said, I just said a whole bunch of my spreads. He, I hadn't had anything set. And you guys talking about this, this is exactly right. I remember that year <laughs> and I I was frustrated how I didn't do it. And a bunch of guys in that room had been in that meet. It was, I think it was pretty, it was pretty close to the same spot. And a bunch of those guys had been there and were like, oh, I can't get any worse, you know? Yeah. And he's like, we're getting that same feel now. And you're right. All my farmers are flush with cash and yeah. are not about yeah. to sell it if they can help it. Which then we had uh, an aside there another fellow in the room who's been doing this a minute or two. Uh, he said, I'm going to buy all of it because I expect to. That's exactly said, right. If you expect to buy it, you're going to buy it. If you don't expect to buy it, you, you won't. won't. Which is it's the Henry Ford mindset, mean, man. It's incredible. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was really, and I, I'll tell you what, you know, you can, you can laugh and say like, oh, that's sure. He, you know, he, but I, I'm tell you what, I know he this does. guy and I know what he does. He, he does. He buys it all. He builds bins every year. <laughs> seems like he buys 95% or more of it at harvest. And, and he's like, you know why he expects to buy it for two reasons. One is he's got his, his farmers in his area on a program of being proactive sellers Two. He has policies that reinforce his expectations. Yes, he has grain policies that allows him to control his space from harvest onward. Yeah. So, he, of course, he expects to buy it. He has both the conditioning part and the policies part in place to do that. And it works for him and his customers. Yeah. Well, if you have don't have both of those, it's really tough, even if you just have one. If you don't have either of them, then it's extremely difficult. Yeah, but guys around here are different. Yeah, you know? yeah that's different. what I hear. You know, other people say, well, guys around here are different. And I get I get that. And I get that mentality. But it's not true. <laughs> but I don't think it's true. It's like all this stuff you say, well, such and such. Well, that's not possible. Well, I've seen people yeah. do it. it is Whether possible. it's privates or co-ops, that also doesn't matter. Some people say, well, our co-op, we can't do that. That's not true at all. Yeah. You can do that. We know co-ops that do it. They do a good job of it. Right. And I, I'm telling you what, this this guy's like, well, guys around here don't do it or don't do it that way, you know? Okay. Well, I, th I tell you, I'm talking about, I don't know, less than a 30 minute drive from this guy. I can go into places that, that only buy 10 to 20% right. of what they take yes. at harvest. And they say, that's just, there's nothing we it's can do about it. That's is. how the guys are here. And I, I just, you know, there's gotta be some give and take. Give and take there. But my point is this this place that, that only buys 10 to 20 percent is not going to go to 95 percent this year. No. No matter how good they do, they could switch merchandisers and right. and overnight they could not do it's it. It's a sea change. It but takes... it takes time and and all this stuff. But if you can go from your most profitable bushels are going to be the ones you own basis with at harvest time, right? So if you can change the 10 percent to 25 percent or whatever it is maybe it takes a year Huge. or two it's gonna impact the that would bottom line, it, right like you would 10 to 20 percent doubling is that how the math works mm -hmm. yeah something like that double it so it's uh so when we go back to we're trying to cover 60 cents of cost per bushel of storage we have you know the the biggest way to do it is get more harvest ownership that's gonna that's mm -hmm. gonna do it we had uh we were talking about this earlier today roger we um there were guys that were making a dollar a bushel this year on stuff they 
a month or two after harvest. Yeah, within. Just insane. Really quick. In the Midwest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about net of freight. Yes. Take freight out of it. Insane margins. And and that's basis. And that's, you know, to farmers, other people, that's that's not price. That's basis. Farmers were selling $657 corn at this time. So yeah, it was unbelievable. It's a good deal. So, you know, the pre-spread thing, though, is it in, in essence, it is a defensive maneuver. It is ensuring your ability to carry out your merchandising plan you want to carry out, which is to buy in one period and sell in another. It's all it's doing. It's not, you probably, you know, over the course of time, you're not going to, you know, you're, it's going to ensure your ability to do that. Are you going to get the best carry possible in years, some years? No, it's going to roll off a penny or two higher sometimes. But is it going to also, you know, uh, protect you from the years where it rolls off at a 50 cent inversion. Well, yeah, it will. Cause you said it, you know yeah, what, something looks right. mediocre in the beginning may look really good when it's, when that roll day comes. So again, it's not a matter of trying to pick the best spread. You want a spread that covers most of your interest or all of it, or in the case of soft wheat, that you're more than it, you know, that's been pretty nice. Uh, but it's a defensive, if it's a defensive mechanism, you know, a lot of guys look at it and say, look, if I can get, 75% of my anticipated spread needs set by harvest at good levels. That's that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. That last little 25% gives me wiggle room in case I don't get as much bought harvest when I think or crop isn't as big or whatever reason you got wiggle room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you end up having to take the roll at that on that last bit, it's probably going to change your overall average that much. But right. you've got your ability to carry out your merchandising plan as you see fit. And if you're a feed mill, that's really important oh man yeah the feed mills have been that's that's one thing we've been looking at is from december the first new crop month to the following september's actually been in a carry uh for a while this this last month or so and which is unheard of for the past three years i mean if you rolled into sep you were eating a dollar or more inverse a lot of the time so it's been it's it's a big opportunity uh, for those guys that you know you're going to have to carry it that far, oh man, just just get some care. Like you said, it's defense, and yeah. uh, it's a great way to look at it. And we've done like, I you want to call it case studies? Is that what people do at, at sure. universities? Let's call it that. Uh, we're real smart, so I've seen you never, a case. Um, never studied it. Anyways, but you can look back at at different markets. We did this uh, a few years back. Just if we take like the last five or the last, let's say ten years. So eight out of 10 years, if you just rolled it, you'd have probably done better. Yeah. Uh, eight out of 10 years. So you say, well, I need to do the thing that I do better off eight out of 10 years, right? I get that. I, I do. But by how much, right? So we did like this this uh, deal where we just took all the roll spreads versus, uh, you know, generic goods, you know, spread that covered your cost ahead of harvest, all that stuff. And we just compared the two, like what you would have done in any given market, what the basis did and what how you'd have come out. And so, yeah. So eight out of the 10 years, you'd have done like four or five cents better to just roll your spreads and not do pre-spreads. Mm-hmm. But the two years where you didn't, you made like an extra dollar 12 or something. It was in by being defensive. Yes. Yeah, just by being defensive. Yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing is it's an opportunity cost, right? Oh, I lost four or five cents that year. Well, you didn't lose it. I mean, that you didn't get as much as you could have. Right. right? You know, what's interesting, the, the mental get- accounting that happens with this is that, you know, there, there are folks that will say, well, and just hang up on that four or five cents and it just eats at, just them. Eats at them. But when they go out 
and are confronted with the the prospect of having to push their bid for five cents a green bot, <laughs> they do it in a heartbeat. They don't even think Absolutely. twice about it. And it's like, well, guys, this is, this is all the same margin. Yeah. You know, I won't, you know, this five cents on spreads are killing me, but I'll push the dime to get this dub bot if I, you know, if I mm-hmm. keep going down the road. Well, you know, it all nets out. You know, yeah. what what are you looking at here? So, you know, you know, chase the right pennies, chase the right bushels is what it comes down to, man. So coming back to one of the things I said earlier in the podcast, how my my unbelievable synthesis that I did. I never even uh, dropped that one on. So I should I should do that. Fear the thesis. <laughs> so I I talked to the the guys in the room. So one of the big topics that came up that we discussed in one of these meetings, but it has also come up in, in talking with folks is uh, like Roger said, we, there's not been a lot of new crop purchased from the farmer by the elevator. Right now, it's it's much lower than normal for this time of year, heading into harvest. And uh, but but what's happened is the basis has lowered for harvest, right? So one thing it, that these guys are worried about and came up in a meeting and it's been coming up. It's hitting the financials because we're doing month in financials, we're valuing stuff, and it's like, eh, I bought it at uh, thirty under back in February, and now my bid's forty five under. Mm-hmm. And I'm buying, and I'm showing this loss, and it's bad, and I can't just go out and sell it because the the bids to sell aren't that great. I know it's going to be better, so I'm having to show this loss, and stuff looks bad, and I'm wringing my hands, and ugh, what am I going to do? But it it does go back to one, you know, hey, these accountants, man. No, <laughs> I, I'm, always I kid. Um, I what was uh, Phil had a line? You're the accountants, you're either born an accountant or it's thrust upon you thrust upon you or something um something like that anyways it was a good line and i just butchered it because there was another option anyways sorry someone added you can marry it yeah accounting for new crop stuff is is uh is tough right now but we have to remember one yes we did buy it a little higher than you know maybe we should have based on on now but you paid what the market was then i i don't think you 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 made a bad decision, but it's going to be higher than than what you would buy now and maybe at harvest time. But what we have going for us is it's a very small percent of what right, we right. normally Nobody's buy. Got much bought. We're going to average that way down. <laughs> yeah. So don't wring your hands over it. Although I know you have to explain when you do your month ends yeah. to whoever uh, that you know, it doesn't look good. Um, it you know I guess that's what you always tell accounts. It'll come out okay. You know it's going to be better than you think. <laughs> or whatever, uh, uh, <laughs> always a likely story. But so, so that was one of the problems. And uh, so here's my synthesis. Going back to this, is we're we're worried because we can't make sales, new crop sales, and we haven't got much bought, and the basis is low, so we can't make so. So, as a basis trader, you want to buy low basis, sell high basis, right? So sometimes the base is high, sometimes it's low. When it's low, you want to buy it. When it's high, you want to sell it. It's not high right now, so you can't sell it. Right. That's okay. What do we make the most money on in the grain business? The bushels we can buy at harvest time when harvest basis is low. So some years, everybody's paying way too much and it's a nightmare and you're having to pay too much and you're like, I'm going to work this hard and and just to stay competitive, I'm not even going to make that much money with these bushels and maybe there's no carry. But what we have is... We have we're coming off a inverted uh, spread situation, so a tight supply situation, 
into a new crop that for most of the summer looked like a not very good crop. It it was, you know, pretty dry in a lot of important areas. Uh, it's it's rained since then. But regardless, the whole time, basis has stayed really low for hard, for new crop, even past new crop, all in the JFM, some of the number, values, they're really low. Mm-hmm. And I mean, glass half full type of thing is... This is great. We we're going to be able to own good low basis, which is what we need to cover sixty cents a cost per bushel and all this stuff. We will be able to own low basis. We've actually got carry next year, which we haven't had in three years. Destabilize is the best level it's been in three years, and it's covering all our costs. And we're going to be able to buy super low basis. We're upset though. It's it, everybody's like worried because they yeah. don't have many new crop sales. This is on. the best case scenario. Yeah, if you think about it. If I like to think about it, and when I if. did, that's what I came up with, and everybody looked at me like I was like, "All right, high in the sky." Yeah. If policies are set accordingly for you to have ownership, that's it. If you let everything go to DP storage, this doesn't apply to you. I'm not saying you can't make money this year, but you won't make the most. Yeah. You won't. Yeah. You got to own this basis at harvest um, so you can get the most most out of it. That's just, that's all there's to it. And like you it's said, science. if, <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and nobody can, I say no way, it's really hard to charge enough to make up for it to charge enough in DP fees or storage fees or whatever it is. Yeah. Especially if you've got guys that are only going to have it on there for three or four months. Oh yeah. You, you hardly can't charge enough. Right. To compensate for the carries and basis pop. It just. Right. Yeah. The guys that store it for three and a half years, you know, you'll be you'll, fine. You'll, you'll make it out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah, guys, yeah. I guess, but. Ugh. That's not the bulk of what people have on unpriced. Generally speaking, I'm sure. There's somebody in East Colorado or West Kansas and be like, ah, hold my beer. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, you know, that that will have almost all of it on storage <laughs> for a super long time. And it works. And I I'll grant that. If you have it, you get to past a certain threshold of storing it, you're fine. I yeah, get it. There's a point. But that doesn't apply in a lot of markets. Yeah. The vast majority of your bushels are not gonna be yeah. held for 12 months. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Hope, well, uh, looking hope looking time. at the board, you know, we didn't get into a uh, couple things we wanted to, like uh, ufology. It's pronounced ufology. Ufology. Listen, Randy's had me looking into some of these. As many of you know, we don't talk about Randy that much anymore. But Randy's he's our, been alienated. Our uh, produ- <laughs> producer, and he's into this stuff, and he's got me into it. I've listened to. I, I spent all this time on the road and some people listen to podcasts that make them smarter and or better at business. Not me. I couldn't care less about that stuff. I want to hear people's wild theories on just who anything. Aliens, flat earth, you name, you name it. it. Let's do it. Moons. How many, you know, black suns, moon pies. There. Listen, if you guys want to hear some wild stuff, I can... I guess you have to talk to me separately. We wouldn't want to no, no. do this podcast. For our paying listeners, we will have a special <laughs> me, I can tell you why the prodigal son parable is about aliens. Venmo us your cash. I can tell we you. We will call you and tell you about I can this. tell you why the black sun is what creates eclipses. I All this stuff. I, Soundgarden? Man, I tell you. 
I don't I don't think I believe any of it, but man, do I want to hear about it. Anyway, so that was yeah. Roger had that submitted as an idea. Luckily, we didn't talk about that, and you guys really there's always next time. Didn't hear how ridiculous I am, but it's fun. Uh, I apologize for that. We'll probably edit this out next time. <laughs> next time, maybe uh, maybe we can get in a famous ufologist to sponsor the show. Basis man, <laughs> ancient uh, basis. Anyways, <laughs> and so I guess closing it out here. Uh, thank y'all for listening as always. But um, if you have shirt ideas, we we gave we talked for a few episodes about how you get at us for shirts. They went away pretty fast, but we can order another batch. But we're thinking of new, new ideas for a shirt. Also, we won't order mediums this time because let's face it, no one wears mediums. <laughs> we had extra large, large, and extra medium. And uh, there were some people that made shirts into gators, <laughs> neck gators. Hey man, whatever you got to do. <laughs> My wife makes quilts out of old shirts. Sometimes you can do that. Meme shirts. Uh, you know, I was thinking we should do meme shirt Mondays on Twitter or something because uh, well, Mike just Beedle, think Duncan Ferguson on there. He'll right. take care of us. Between Duncan, uh, Weedle posted a picture, with, I think, with his shirt on, a uh, meme shirt. Michael that Mock. Michael Mock did. And then I was wearing a meme shirt that day that Duncan had sent us. There you go. Um, Full circle. The Star Wars one. It was great. These aren't the bushels you're looking <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, meme shirt Monday, man. We should get it going. Uh, but anyways, if you have a famous meme or you like to create your own meme that we should uh, put on a shirt, we're we're all ears. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Oh!